0: You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for his glory. Well, good afternoon. Really good to see you all here today. I'm really excited to be able to share some things from the word of God with you. First, I just want to say I hope you had a nice Easter weekend last week and a good Easter this week. Have many people eating some chocolate eggs? over the last few days, maybe, maybe a few, yeah, yeah, quite a few, it's all right, it's okay, it's Easter, so you can get away with it, and it's always good to spend time with family, so I hope you had a good time with family and friends, and I just want to say as well, um, last Friday, Good Friday service and our two Easter Sunday services, they were really powerful, weren't they, just want to say, I mean, Good Friday, it was just a real sense of uh, God's presence among us. And uh, it's really great. Thank you for all those that, that came and also those that served to make it a success. It was really great to have that. And it's uh, my honor today to uh, share some things uh, from the Word of God with you. And um, as Jack said, and he's, he's in leading the meeting today, he brought some verses from uh, Hebrews 12. I'm going to focus our attention on Hebrews 12 today and, as well. So we didn't even sync that up. It was just something that he felt would put on his heart for today. And uh, I've got a sense that God wants to speak to us about something today. He's going to speak to us in our hearts, and he's got a word for us. And I'm um, just going to draw attention to something a little bit different from what we've been speaking on in the last few weeks. So we've been in a series called Meeting Jesus And then uh, it came to the end last Sunday when we looked at the risen Jesus and the importance of the Easter message, which is really important. But also, just want to say, how many also believe and agree that, okay, Easter is great, it's good that we celebrate Easter on a Sunday, but how many of us know that we fix our eyes on Jesus all year round? We're called to continually our eyes on him. It's not just we're gearing around the calendar only. Yes, it makes sense to, um, to, to, um, to obviously come together and have an emphasis on those times of the year. But um, I believe we should always have our eyes on Jesus. Yeah. We should always be looking to him. And I'm going to turn us to some verses in Hebrews 12 in a moment. And um, I just want to encourage us to, to be open to what God wants to do today. Um, you know, We, we continually are called to be on a journey to be more like Jesus. To seek after Him, to 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 look to His Word, to want to be like Him all the time, to want to to want to see Him uh, daily in our lives and outwork that. There's a journey that that God puts us on. You know, the cross is an amazing thing as we looked at last week. Yeah. But what the cross did as well is that it brought reconciliation to God and man. Yeah. So God, you know, drew man to Himself through Jesus Christ through His sacrifice. And there's that idea that there's still a continual relationship that we have to attend to all the time, yeah. on a daily basis. And it's something that we're called to as followers of Christ. So this idea that as a church, we're collectively called to be together. We are the body of Christ. We, we spur one another on. But what is also great, and I find this amazing, when you look at the global church, even in this church, with the amount of people that are even here today, isn't it amazing that God also has a unique purpose for each one of us? He has a unique call, a mandate, a style that he, he wants us to, to have in our lives because he's given us an identity. You know, God gives us a purpose and an identity in Jesus. And we have to embrace that and see what comes with that. And I'm going to read some verses now from Hebrews 12, as we've heard earlier, verses 1 to 3. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And this is the word of the Lord. And we can say thanks be to God. And the title of my message today, as it went up earlier, is... Running your own race. Why don't you say running your own race? race. See, I think I've come to know as a follower of Jesus that what I focus on will determine where I end up. It will determine the course of life that I take. And today I want us to see that God has marked out a course in our life for us. One that we need to walk you know, it's interesting, there's a journey we need to embrace. Even Paul, the Apostle Paul, he talked about even like, the Christian walk as being a race. He talked about being poured out like a drink offering and that, that he's run his race. This idea that we're on like a bit of a marathon. We're continually on a journey in God in all that he has for us. And I do find it amazing, as I said, that all of us have a unique call. You know, my, my, my call or, or the expression that God wants me to have is different to, to, to Jack. It's different to Sarah or AJ. You know, God has a different call and a different way that he, has us, he wants us to go. And going back to our, our text, you know, the writer of the Hebrews, he talks about, or she talks about, because we're not entirely sure who wrote it, um, that we are being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, And we can think, yeah, that sounds right. We've heard that before. But what does that actually mean? Well, when you look at Hebrews 11, I'm not going to read that for us today because it's quite a big section of scripture. But Hebrews 11 talks about the great cloud of witnesses, those who were faithful in their journey, those who persevered in faith before us. And it talks about Moses, Abraham, David, and Rahab. And what I believe the writer is trying to say is that all of these people went before you, had faith, and were confident in God despite all that faced them. They kept persevering in their faith. They kept trusting in God. And, and what I think that, is, that they are trying to say to us is now you, the church, take encouragement from that. In your own race, take encouragement from those who have gone before you. you know Those people are kind of cheering you on in a sense. Those who have been before to run your race. All these witnesses. And what is great about these witnesses when you read them in the Bible as well is that, yes, they were all used by God. But they were all used differently. They had different personalities from what I can read. They probably looked different. Yep, they weren't all the same. God used them for a specific plan and a specific purpose. They had different skills, but God used them. And I believe that God is interested in us running our own race, that we have a race marked out for us that we're supposed to run. He wants you to be the best version of you that you can be, to be the best version of you that you can be. He has a path for us to walk, but it's up to us to walk it, amen? We have to walk it. But to do that, and as it says in the text we've read, we have to throw off what hinders sometimes. We have to look out for what hinders us, the sin that can so easily entangle us. We may face some things that will try and slow us down a bit, take us off course, things that can stop us from entering everything that God has for us. And today I want to share a few things with you that I hope will encourage you in pursuing your own race that God has for you, pursuing what he has for you, and also maybe to encourage you with some of the things that maybe have hindered you on the way so that you can see that the race marked out for you is something that God wants you to, to walk in, but also to, to overcome anything that maybe has come in or cut in on you as well. And my prayer is that you'll be blessed by this. And my first thing I want to share with you is this. Firstly, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. So I think we can struggle in life when, at times, we're not fixated on Jesus, but rather we're fixated on those who are running next to us or people that are running their own race. Rather than running in the lane marked out for us, we're distracted by everyone else. Comparison or expectation can can slow us down. You know, we are constantly looking how people are performing and then we measure our success by that we look at what they're doing and say i need to be there in order to be doing well that's my indicator of success let me ask you a question who here likes to know what people are up to some brave people putting their hands up i mean it in a nosy way by the way (laughs) people have still got their hands up fair play to you okay not many put their hands up okay okay let me rephrase the question How many of you like to go on Facebook or Instagram? Put your hands up. Okay, a lot more. Okay, now how many of you go on Facebook or Instagram to look at what people are doing? Okay, so that's the real answer to the question. You know, I'm not here to barrage or or beat up Facebook or Instagram or social media. I believe it can be used for good, just wanna clarify that. But we live in a culture where everyone's lives are on display. We can see what everyone's doing. I find it amazing that I can be at home drinking a cup of tea, minding my own business, and I can look at my phone and see exactly what AJ is doing 30 seconds ago. (laughs) I still, It's amazing when we do it like it's so natural, but when you think about it, everyone's lives can be on display. We can find out what people are doing. And it's so easy to look at something and think that we're not doing very well compared to other people when we see what they're posting. We're looking at what they're doing, and we're like, gosh... They seem to be having a ball of a time. Every time they post something, every time they post something, they're having a good time. Everything looks great. And it's so easy for us to look at ourselves and say, you know, is that what it means to be good, to be, to be happy, to be, have success? We can feel that we are not sufficient and that we're missing something and that we need what they have. I'm just going to build on this a little bit more. So one of my favorite passages in the Bible is um, the story of David and Goliath. Everyone here like the story of David and Goliath? Yeah. Yeah, it's not just a children's story. I want to say that there's so much packed in that, in that story. There's so many things that we can draw upon that for our own lives. But I, I, love, I love what it says in there. And um, there's a certain aspect of it that I really want us to, to, to hone in on today. And um, it's, what I love is that, yes, David did fight Goliath and defeat him. But what I think is really interesting is that David realized that in order to defeat Goliath, he needed to do it in the way that was right for him. He needed to do it his way. David put himself forward to face Goliath. You know, he, he said, oh, I'm going to fight Goliath. I'm not scared of this nine-foot giant, which, by the way, I'd be very scared of if it was me. No one really gave, gave um, David a chance. King Saul said, you're too young. You know, you're just a boy. How can you fight him? You know, everyone is scared of Goliath. And King Saul eventually, the, who's the leader of Israel, he, he allows David to fight him. He goes, okay, fight him. But there's an interesting exchange that goes on between Saul and David before David goes out. You know, obviously, Saul wants to give... David, the most encouragement he can. He's trying to give him advice. He wants to help him. And there's a great little passage here in that that story, which I want us to draw attention to. It's 1 Samuel 17, verses 38 to 40. Verses 38 to 40. If you want to turn there, you can, but I'm going to read the verses. And it says this. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five small smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine, which was Goliath. And there are a couple of points that I want to draw upon this. So It's like two sub points within my main point here of stay in your lane that I want us to look at. And the first thing I want you to see is this. If it doesn't feel right, don't wear it. If it doesn't feel right, don't wear it. People, and rightly so, people acknowledge that the big thing about what David did is that he, he was brave enough to go and fight Goliath. And I wouldn't disagree with that. I think it's really important that we grasp that. It, was, it took amazing courage, and I'm going to talk about that a bit later. But for me, David was just as brave when he said to Saul, who was the king of Israel at the time, look, I can fight Goliath, but I can't fight him in this. I can't fight him in what you've put on me. I I need to do this my own way. And it says this, that he took off what Saul put on him. He actually took it off. And he got me thinking, do some of us need to throw off a style that is hindering us from being who we need to be, of who God has called us to be? Do we need to throw off something that's been put on us? Are some of us carrying an armor of expectation on our lives? on our shoulders? Do we feel that we need to be like someone in order to gain success, in order to defeat giants? Are we living our lives based on how we compare to other people, or are we living free? Are we put something on our shoulders? Are we chasing people rather than running our own course, rather than staying in the lane that God has for us? Do we copy people all the time rather than being true to ourselves and our gifts? I do want to say this, It's good to look up to people. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't look up to people. You know, as I said earlier, we're the body of Christ. We learn from one another. We grow one another. You know, we can spur each other on. That's why we have life groups, so that we can be accountable, that we can know each other more, and we can help each other on our individual journeys. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm saying it is good to look up to people. I myself have learned so much from different people, different people in church who have helped me on my journey. So never use it as an excuse, never to do anything new or to grow. You know, we we have to have that in our lives as well. But I've also come to know this, that I have to do things in a way that fit my God-shaped personality, that fit who I am, the way God has made me, the person that God has made me to be. I have my own expression. I can't shape my life around being someone else or being being in someone else's lane or, or running their race for them. That's God's business with them. I have certain gifts which God has given me, but I also recognize my limits, and that's okay. We have to be careful and ask ourselves, is the way that I'm adopting someone else's way, and is it hindering me in my life? Is it hindering me and stopping me from being who I'm supposed to be? Is it uncomfortable? Is it burdening me? And if it is, church, you need to throw it off. It's not yours. It's not you. It's not who you are. Putting on Saul's armor was probably not a bad idea in this grand scheme of it, you know, but, but something didn't feel right. He tried walking in it, but he wasn't used to it. He tried walking in it, but he's like, I can't go in these. I am not used to this. This isn't me. This isn't, this isn't mine. Let me try and illustrate this a little bit more to you. Does anyone here like the film Cool Runnings? Cool Runnings, yeah, a few hands have gone up. Great film, one of my favourite films. I, I love it, you know. And if you don't know the film Cool Runnings, it's basically a film about the Jamaican bobsleigh team years ago who entered the Winter Olympics, and um, they they put a team together, a team of four, and they went to compete in the in, in the Olympics, and they were the the first ever Jamaican bobsleigh team ever, and they got ridiculed a little bit. But anyway, as you watch the film, what happens is is that um, there's the main guy in the film. His name's Darius, who's like the driver, the captain of the team. And uh, he's, so, he's so up for wanting to win, which is great, you know, it's not a bad thing. And he's got the team, he's trying to galvanise the team together, try and get them in order. And that's good, but the problem is, he's focusing all of his success on the Swiss team. Does anyone remember? Yeah. He's saying, we've got to be like the Swiss. We've got to be like Switzerland. Switzerland are the team we need to model. They're the ones that do this. They even start saying, eins bei dry when they go down the track, even though it's not their language, <laughs> you know. They're, he's trying to get them to be like the Swiss, because the Swiss are the favourites. The Swiss look great. Everyone knows the Swiss are really good. So he's thinking, I'm, I'm trying my best here. Now, you wouldn't say that wasn't a bad idea, would you? Because that's a good model. But what you find is when you watch the film is that when they try and do their laps or when they start off, they struggle. They're hindered. You know, they, there's one great scene where they're falling down the track and they, they can't keep up with the, with the actual bobsleigh. It's quite comical, it's quite funny. but. At the same time, it, it gives us a picture of them trying a different style which didn't work for them. And then there's this one scene where, does everyone, everyone remember Sanka? Yeah. Sanka, who, who, who comes up with a great hairdo, you know, him, he comes out and um, he, he speaks out in a moment. Darius is going on about the Swiss team again, and he says something, I'm going to quote what he says because I thought it was really interesting. By the way, if you were hoping today to receive a quote from Charles Spurgeon or D.L. Moody, I'm sorry, you've got Sanka from Cool Runnings today. <laughs> But I love what what he says. This is what he says. He says that we can't be copying nobody else's style. We have our own style. The best I can be is Jamaican. I'm telling you, as a friend, if we look Jamaican, walk Jamaican, talk Jamaican, and is Jamaican, then we need to bobsleigh Jamaican. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. man. There is a theological point to this, by the way. There's a, there's, a, there's a point. And it's actually a turning point in the film. Because when they realize that, that they're trying to do it the Swiss way, uh, they, they, they adopt more of their own culture. They adopt more of, of what they know best. And they start to compete based on that. And their lap times improve. They do a lot better. You know, and also the spirit in the camp is a lot better as well. You know, they're being themselves. They didn't win anything. They weren't even in the top five. But they produced... The best that they could produce. Why? Because they realised they needed to be themselves. They needed to be who they were meant to be. You know that their foot wasn't the Swiss foot; it was the Jamaican foot, and that's the way they had to live. That's the way they had to compete. And I think it's really important that we grasp that. You know, you have to stay in your lane. Don't be distracted by the way that everyone else is doing it. Stay in the lane that's marked out for you. Stay. Do the race that God has marked out for you in your life. You know, stay focused on what God says about you. He's the one that made you in it. You come from him. Yeah, so what does he say about you is what's most important. Seek your own revelation. Don't try and hold on to somebody else's. Find God's way for you. What does God say about you? Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, "'For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus.'" To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's this idea that God has prepared a path for you to walk in Christ Jesus. That's where your identity is. That's where you get your security from. That's where you know. That's where you operate from. It's you go back to who Jesus is and who he's called you to be. And he's created works for you to do. He's made you to have a purpose. To have an identity in who he says you are. Psalm 139.14. I praise you. Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. God has created us uniquely. You don't need to be someone else because it looks good. A good idea isn't always a good fit. A good idea doesn't always work. It just can be a good idea. But it isn't always the right fit. Find the way that fits you. Be the best person. Version of you that you can be. Be who God has called you to be. And just to flag as well, you know, we can't use our own style as an excuse for bad behavior. Okay. Yeah? Right. So you can't say to someone, oh oh, this is my style, right? And I can't learn anything else, so that's it. No, 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 that, that's an excuse. We all, we're all called to learn. We're all called to grow. We're all called to look up to other people as well who can help us on that journey, yeah? yeah? That's not Christ-like if we say, I'm not interested in anything else. Just my way is okay. No, it's not a selfish walk. We walk with other people, don't we, as the body of Christ, yeah. and we help each other out. It doesn't excuse bad behavior. You know, if, if, you're, if you're African, for example, and you say, well, my style is African timing, so if I'm late, that's it. you just got to deal with it. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Listen, you're looking at an Indian man. We wrote the book on bad timing. If an Indian man says he was going to be there for breakfast, you better get lunch ready instead. But the point is, I come from a culture even myself where timing is, there is no timing, basically. It's whatever timing you want. But, uh, but I'm not, when I became a follower of Jesus, yeah, I came with my own culture. I came with my own flavor of life. But I'm looking for a kingdom culture. We honor one another. Yeah, we we help each other on the way. Yeah, we live, we run in our own lane, but we're conscious of other people as well. We're conscious of honoring each other as well in what they're doing. We don't need to copy anyone. We don't need to be someone we're not. I get that. That's the point I'm trying to make, but we're honoring each other at the same time. My second point, my second sub-point, don't take shortcuts. Embrace the race and persevere. You know, when we look at how much further on people are, it can make us want to reach for someone else's sword or armor and go, well, they're further on than I am. Maybe I need to get there. And how many of us know that sometimes we don't have patience? We want to get there. We want to get there as quickly as we can. We're not happy with the sling we have. We want to be where other people are. We can get discontent. The promotion, we want it quickly. And it's tempting to take the armor or try and take the armor prematurely. But sometimes the reason... We have a sling still. It's because God is preparing us for our own armor, yeah. for our own sword. He's, he's putting us in a process. You know, I think it's interesting that David still tried on the armor, even though he didn't use it in the end. He still tried it on. You know, if I was David, and by the way, just to re- remind you, he, he was the anointed king to be. Yeah. Saul had, uh, uh, Samuel had um, anointed him to take over Saul um, eventually. But he wasn't the king right now, he was a shepherd. You know, if I was David, if if Saul had said to me, do you want to put on the armour? I'd have said, yeah, you know I want to put on the armour. Put the armour on, walk around in it. I'm the next king anyway. I might as well get used to this. I might as well well stretch it out a bit, get used to the kingship that's awaiting me. You know, it's, it's a natural thing to want to do. And it's tempting to try and quicken the process, you know, to do things out of character to get to where we need to go to do things away from who we are to get to where we want to go, you, to be deceptive, to be someone we're not in order to move forward. But remember, church, you've got to trust in God's timing. Right. God has a timing and a place where he wants you to go, and he'll make it work according to his plan. You don't need to take it into your own hands. <clears throat> David had a sling because he was a shepherd, so he used the sling. But interestingly, after he defeated Goliath, if you read the Bible... He may have used a sling afterwards, but when you read the Bible, it doesn't say that he used a sling ever again. What you see then is a journey unfolding of him becoming king. He gets his own armor that he grew into, I presume, his own sword. He became king of Israel. Everything that was promised, everything that was said over him came to pass. But it was all within the right time. It was all within the right time of the journey. You know, I just want to encourage you. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. You know, he endured the cross, but there was a joy set before him. You know, the process can be painful. It can be painful. It can, it can hurt. I believe some of you today, you're in a process. You're in a process and it's not easy. You're not sure where things are at, where you're going. But I believe that there's a joy awaiting us if we wait upon God and we walk the path that he has for us. We don't deviate. But we say, God, I trust you with this. God, I trust you. I have faith in the walk you've planned out for me. I don't need to take it into my own hands. I don't need to look elsewhere or or, or look to somebody else. I trust you, God, for my life. I trust what you are saying for me. Beware of shortcuts. You know, if you're waiting for a breakthrough in something, be patient. Be patient on the Lord. Wait upon the Lord for what he has for you. If you want a promotion or you're, or you're serving in an area which you don't think is you long-term, I get that, it can be frustrating, but maybe there's a reason why you're still there. God wants you to use your sling. God wants you to stay there because he's preparing you for something that's going to come later. But keep persevering, don't give up. Keep at, what you, keep at where you are right now. And on another point, if, you, if you're waiting to meet the right person maybe, maybe you have aspirations and dreams, you want to meet someone and get married and that, that, that's perfectly fine, I, I totally get that. Don't feel that because you'll see other people on Facebook or Instagram who are having a good time, married couples, that you then need to expedite the process to get married or get with someone. Yeah. Don't say, oh, I need, to, I, need to, I need to be what they're doing. I need to do what they're doing. They're having such a good time. Oh, let's, let's try and get married soon. Let's meet someone soon. Look, God has someone prepared for you. Yeah. Wait for his timing. Yeah. Believe in his timing. Right. Believe that he knows what he's on with. Yeah. God's timing is key. My uh, second point is don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence. In Hebrews 10.35, so going back a little bit more into the text, a bit further back, the Hebrews were also encouraged to not throw away their confidence, for it will be richly rewarded. You know, I I just want to say, don't allow lack of confidence to throw you off course. Don't allow that to hinder you. Don't allow that to, to skew the walk that God has for you. You know, what can happen is is that when we get hit with a lack of confidence, we sometimes can accept a lesser version or walk that God has for us because we're not willing to take any risks at all. We don't want to step out and believe all that God has for us. What we do is we settle for a more comfortable version. We settle for a more comfortable race, one that wasn't marked out for us, but one that we want to settle for because our confidence has been hit. Because we don't have that belief. We can stop having faith in God's plan. So we divert our attention. We think we can't, but actually we can. We walk away from the race marked out for us. You know, I sense as I was preparing this message today, some of you, you've been hindered by a lack of confidence. And it can come in so many, so many different ways. You know, people can say things over you. People can, can be nasty, I get it. People can, can speak things over you. You can go through difficult trials, difficult situations, which knock you off course and come out of nowhere, and they can knock your confidence as well. I get that, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, I get it can be painful, but we can't throw away our confidence. You know, you can doubt your ability, setbacks stop us from being the real you. That can stop you from being who God has called you to be. It's easy to lose heart on the journey. And we've been talking about throwing off what hinders, but don't throw away your confidence. Throw off what hinders, but keep your confidence. Yeah. Yeah, there's an enemy that wants to take it away from you. He wants to rob you of it. I said, no. I said, God, I keep my confidence. I'm going to hold on to that confidence that you've given me, my God-given confidence. You know, last year, I faced a really difficult challenge. I faced a really difficult situation that just came out of nowhere. And there were times when I just, truthfully, I wanted to throw the towel in. I was like... Anyone ever felt like that? You just want someone to take you away. You just feel like, I can't do this, man. I just, responsibility, anything you want me to do, God, I I just, I don't have the time, I don't have the appetite for it. I'm done. Seriously. My my confidence was shot because of everything I was going through. And I, I, you know, I lost a little bit of self-belief at the time. But you know what? It came to a point, though, where this was happening. And the enemy, you know, by by the way, the enemy will piggyback. When something happens, he'll come on the back of you and go, you are bad. You aren't good. You aren't what you are, what you're supposed to be. He'll come on and try and discourage you even more. And I realized what was happening. There was a spiritual attack that was happening. And I just knew I had to take authority in Christ. You have to say, I was like, no. I was like, God, I'm not throwing away my confidence. But you've called me to live in a certain way. You've given me a mandate and I'm going to run with it. Yeah, I'm hurt. Yeah, I'm bleeding. But I'm going to get back up again. I'm going to run the race that's marked out for me. Yeah, the confidence may hinder me. The confidence uh, thing, was difficult, it was painful, but I kept hold of it. I refused it. I stood on the promises of God. I said, God, your word says something different to what I'm feeling right now, so I'm going to choose to believe your word. I'm going to choose to believe what your word says about me and not what the situation says. And going back to David who defeated Goliath, you know, one of the things that sticks out to me about this whole battle as well is how confident he was in God. It wasn't a confidence in himself. It was a godly confidence. A godly confidence that he cultivated in his life. He wasn't gripped by fear. He was gripped by God. The situation didn't overwhelm him. It's ridiculous. He's 13 or 14 years old. You know, he's got one armpit hair at best. Some of you are slowly getting that. You know, he's, he's this young man. And he's there fighting Goliath. And he says, he says to He says to to King Saul when when he's preparing to fight or when he's giving Saul his reasons why he should fight, he says, look, I defeated a bear and a lion. God saved me. It's like this this uncircumcised Philistine, he's not going to be any different. I can defeat this guy. I've paraphrased it a bit, but that's basically what he's saying. He's basically saying, look, I have the godly confidence that God's going to come through for me. See, the difference is David knew how big his God was compared to Goliath. He knew his God was great. We've been singing about it today. Our God is greater. Jesus is greater. His name is greater. You've got to believe that today. Have confidence in the name of Jesus today. Have confidence in that. He's going to see you through. Whatever situation you're in, whatever giant, whatever Goliath may be there, God's name is higher and greater. And you've got to hold on to it. Don't let it go. Hold on to your godly confidence. Perspective is so important. You know, if only we had a spirit like David when we face trial, when we face opposition. Audacious dreams can come from unlikely sources. Audacious dreams can come from unlikely sources when we have confidence in the Lord. And regardless of what gets thrown at you, have confidence in the ability that God has given you. Don't allow a lack of confidence to knock you off course. If you get hit, regroup, deal with what's happened. And I know it's painful. I'm not trying to brush over this. I've been there. It hurts. It's horrible. It can be really difficult. I get that. But get up and keep going. Keep running the race. Keep running the race marked out for you. Don't be taken off track. Don't allow the enemy a foothold. Be confident in the race. You know, as I was preparing this as well today, I just sensed I needed to share this as well, that some of you, because of the knocks that you've had or the difficult situations you've had, you've You've stopped being creative. You've given up on those dreams. There's some dreams that you had in your heart, and because of some stuff that's happened, you've stopped dreaming, you've stopped being creative, you've stopped believing in who God made you to be, and you're sitting comfortably instead. Or you're not even sitting comfortably, you're just just in that place where your gifts are going dormant. But the Word of God says, let's stir up the gift of God that's within you. You've got to stir it back up. Don't allow the lack of confidence to make you dormant in your spiritual walk. Be creative. Be who God has called you to be. Resurrect those dreams again. Cultivate a godly confidence. Just also want to say confidence doesn't mean cockiness. Doesn't mean that we think we're amazing and that, you know, we we take things for granted and, uh, you know, we're complacent. No, no, no. A godly confidence means that, you know, your confidence is in him yeah it's not about your own strength but it's about him and moving to my last point finally live for an audience of one live for an audience of one you know how are we supposed to run we fix our eyes upon jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith that's how we run that's what our vision needs to be but how many of us can admit to this we sometimes what we care about is the crowd we care about what the crowd thinks. A little bit similar to my first point, but I think it's, a, it's actually different as well. Like the first point was talking about comparison and how sometimes we can see how other people are further on than us, and we judge ourselves based on that, how we want to be like someone. But this, when I'm talking about live for an audience of one, is talking, it's more to do with living to please God, living for his approval and not for people's approval. Not living to be liked, just say so you want to be liked by people, but actually you know that your approval is in God. We care what people think so much, don't we? And sometimes that's right. There's a place for that. I get that. We have to take on board what people say and what they think. But it can get to a point where we compromise the way that we live for God. The way that we walk our lives, the way that we race, the way that we're running. We end up living a lie and a race that isn't ours because we're so fixated on people's opinions about us. You know, Family and friends can sway your opinion. They can make you think that you've got to do something different, or or even people who you don't even know that well. They can say something and they can just take you off track and you can be discouraged in your faith. But today, this is the point, this is how we're gonna kind of round this all off today. Today, I wanna encourage you, you've got to fix your focus. Where are you focusing? Are you focusing on on the lanes next to you? Are you focusing on what's happened in the past that's knocked you off course? Are you focusing on the crowd? Or are you focusing on Jesus? Are you fixing your eyes upon him? Are you fixing your eyes upon what he wants you to do? Are you fixing your eyes upon what he says about you? It's his opinion you should be bothered about. Live for one set of eyes only. People's opinions change quickly, by the way. One minute you're amazing, the next minute you're nothing. But what's God's opinion about you? He loves you. You've been predestined in Him. You're called. You're you're chosen. You've been set free. You've been redeemed. That can't be taken away. And that's what you need to focus on. That's the approval. That's the opinion that you want. Live for one set of eyes only. Live for an audience of one. Live for His approval. Paul said this in Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Despite all opinion, Paul knew that it was God he needed to please. It wasn't human opinion. It wasn't what people thought. Now, living for the approval of man will hinder you. It will restrict you when you're continually thinking about what other people are saying. Because in the end, ultimately, who do you account to? At the end of it all, at the end of the race, who are you going to account to? Not the people. They're not going to be there. It's going to be you and him only. You're going to fix your eyes on him and he's going to say, Did you run for me? Did you live your life for me or did you care about what other people thought? Because where are those people right now? They're not here. Did you live, did you run the race marked out for you? Did you stay in the lane that I had for you? Or did you care so much about what people said? You know, when I joined church full-time, I gave up my job as a lawyer a few years ago now. When, you know, it was a big decision. And there were different opinions. Some of my family members were, to be fair, a lot of, some of them were supportive and like, you know, you, you do what you got to do. There were a couple, though, that were, were a bit confused. Like, what are you doing? Why, why, why have you switched? Why are you going from that to this? doesn't make any sense. But I was like, listen, when I gave my life to Jesus, when I, when I, when I, when I accepted him as my Lord and Savior, I said, wherever, whenever, and whatever, if you've called me to live a race that not everyone else agrees with, then so be it. Because I live for one set of eyes only. I live for an audience of one. I live to please my Lord and Savior. If, if he approves of it, then I'm happy. Yeah, I do take on board other people's opinions. I want to learn. I want to grow. I get all that. But ultimately, it's him I'm accountable to. It's his opinion. It's his approval that I hold on to. I fixed my eyes upon him and I encourage us, let's all fix our eyes on Jesus when we're running the race. There's a little word here as well for for parents and guardians here. I just want to encourage you, get involved in your children's choices. I get that. You should get involved, take an interest in what they're doing, but but encourage them to pursue the dreams that God has put on their heart. Help them to pursue that. Pray with them about it. Talk to them about it. Don't dismiss it, but speak to them about it. Make them be the best version of them that they can be. when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we don't care about the lanes next to us, although we cheer each other on. We think about our own lane. We think about where God's taking us. We're not bothered about what the crowd think or we care about what he thinks. And when we have a lack of confidence or when we're hit by situations, we understand that we can still have a godly confidence in him, that he's got a plan for us and that we don't need to take shortcuts because he will see it through he will help us on that journey. And simply as a response today, as, uh, as we come to land, I want to pray for you. And uh, it might be that you're running your race at the moment, but maybe some of this has resonated with you. Maybe you've just been a bit sidetracked. Maybe you've been looking at what's going on in the lane next to you. Maybe you've been thinking too much about what people think. Maybe you've been hit by a situation and you've knocked your confidence. But my prayer for you today is that you'd get back up. And you keep running the race, that you'd fix your focus, you'd fix your focus back on Jesus, that you would look to Him. I don't know if this resonates with anyone today, but um, if it does, I just want to encourage you would you be willing to stand in your seats? Oh, I want to pray for you. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Great. Great. Where you are, when you lift up your hands to heaven, when you fix your eyes on Jesus. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you are the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, Lord. And we look to you right now, Lord Jesus. We reach out to you, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, would we focus upon you in the race that's marked out for us, God? I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters who are here right now, Lord. I pray, Lord, where there are situations, where maybe there's been a distraction or maybe a, a diversion, of course, Lord, I pray, Lord, would you help realign us today? Lord, would you fix our focus today, Lord? Lord, where we're concentrating too much on what the people are doing next to us or whether we don't measure up or compare to someone else, Lord, I pray, Lord, would you break off those chains today? Lord, would we have a godly confidence to pursue the road, to pursue the walk that you have for us, God? Lord, I pray today, Lord, would you resurrect dreams? Lord, where our creative spark, where where the realist has been dormant, Lord, Lord, would you resurrect the realist today? Would Would you allow something to stir up within us, God? Lord, the child of God that we're called to be, Lord, would we know that and believe that today? Lord, I pray for any chains that are on people, any hindrances on our walk, Lord, would they come off today in the name of Jesus? We pray, Lord, we speak the blood of the Lamb over us today, Lord. We pray, Lord, that today would be the start of a new day, the start of our walk today, Lord, where we will start walking with you in our sight. Lord, let us live for an audience of one. Let us live for one set of eyes only, that we would be accountable to you, and we wouldn't be so fixated on the opinions of others, but we would see what you want to say about us, and we would believe it for ourselves. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.